San Francisco Dance Film Festival presents Dancing Through the Lens, a bi-monthly podcast featuring guests from our dance and filmmaking communities, both near and far. Dancing Through the Lens offers a platform for artists in the dance world to share their interests and insights and discuss how they use film to create work and connect with audiences. I'm Claire Schweitzer. And I'm Coral Martin. fall saw another edition of the San Francisco Dance Film Festival, and for the first time in two years, screenings in front of a live audience. We were fortunate to be able to present four live programs during the 12th edition of our festival, and were especially honored to host the North American theatrical premiere of Coppelia, a filmic reimagining of the classic story that blends live-action ballet with charming animation. We were even more honored to have Michaela de Prince, star of the film and current dancer with the Boston Ballet, in attendance for a live Q&A with our audience. Michaela was very open and generous with her answers and did not shy away from the less glamorous side of pursuing a ballet career. This Q&A was moderated by KQED Forum host Mina Kim, and we hope that you enjoy it as much as our audience did. I mean, that, that was amazing. And it is my honor to be able to be on stage with the star of the film and of the evening, Michaela de Prince. And for those who may not know, my name is Mina Kim. I'm the co-host of KQED's Forum program. And uh, it's so great to be here, so incredible to be able to watch this film on the big screen. And I understand, Michaela, that you actually have not watched it that often. This is maybe only the second time you've been able to see the finished film? This is the second film? time, yeah. And this time, actually, I wasn't surprised because the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, they're not going to make it, they're not going to make it, but I already know the end, so. <laughs> and, I mean, as I watched it, I was marveling at the fact that you must have had to really imagine the set as you're dancing on it. You were dancing in front of green screens, right, basically, for this. Yeah, uh, green screen, blue screen, yellow screen like your eyes felt like they're crisscrossed. Um, it was interesting because as um, ballerinas or dancers or in theater in general, everything is so over the top. And then yes. all of a sudden, just one look was how you could have a conversation. And for me, my I was doing all of this. And then all of a sudden, you had to like <laughs> calm it down. Um, but it was really interesting to do it. Yeah, is that one of the biggest challenges of going from a huge theatrical production to something where a camera will be able to capture just the most intimate. What was one of the most challenging sort of scenes for you to be able to do knowing that? Um, I think, I mean, I, my face is very readable. I think one of the challenging part was for me to, um, when Daniel is, like his love is getting taken away from him, I, that was hard for me to, because you had to be really vulnerable. And um, we were having really long days and it was like towards the end of filming. And of course I did want to cry because it was a lot, but it takes, um, you just don't want it to be fake. So I had to find different ways to really think about something I've been through so it could read across, so. Well, one of the things uh, about this film in terms of its central message, it really does feel like what it's trying to say is, is to love yourself, love the body that you're in. And I was wondering if that had some personal resonance for you. 
I think it has resonance for everybody, no? Um, with social media nowadays, it's, it's hard mm -hmm. to feel like, you know what, this is who I am and I love who I am no matter what I've been through or what I will go through. Um, so it's a constant thing for me every single day. Sometimes I love myself, sometimes I don't. But uh, just like you see in the film, if you surround yourself with people who support you and who see the best in you, you will see the best in yourself. And I know that there is going to be um, a biopic that is made of your incredible life story. How does that make you feel? Are you excited for something like that to come out? Does it bring out the same sort of feelings of vulnerability? My short lifespan. <laughs> um, I am super excited about it because I just recently read and heard about the script and it helped me heal in different ways that I didn't know that I had to heal. Um, I. Dance for me is not just dancing and being on stage and pretending to be somebody I'm not, but it's giving me a chance to be what I've always wanted to be, I guess you could say, and I feel like this motion picture of my story is gonna show that to people. It's not a fairy tale. It's not this little orphan girl who became a ballerina. It's you see so many different steps and so much trauma and so many triumph triumphants and so many obstacles and perseverance, and I feel like then people really get to know me more instead of what you always see, so I'm excited. <laughs> That's such an incredible description that you, reading the script gave you a chance to heal in places that you didn't realize you needed to heal or that you hadn't yet healed. What do you mean by that exactly? Um, for me, I'm sure everybody has experienced that, but for me, one of the biggest things I thought that I failed at was saving my teacher, Sarah, in the orphanage, um, which is why you see I work with War Child, I try to teach, I try to save people, and I didn't realize I really need to save myself. And that was a big thing that I just started to realize as a 26-year-old, and it's gonna take some more time, some more help, therapy, talking to other people, but it was a big thing for me to realize, okay, you need to also save yourself and not try to save the world because you're only one person. Hmm. You know, I um, one of the parts of your story that I still find myself really struck by and really thinking about a lot is the fact that you had this sort of, it was so much by chance that this magazine cover of a ballerina was basically swept up, swept up against the orphanage and that was how you were able to find it and that do you ever think about like the the fate, sort of all the things that had to come together for you to even see that image? Um, it's not even the image, but the, I was in love with what I saw. But can you imagine if I didn't have the talent? How heartbreaking that would be. <laughs> it would be so sad. <laughs> but for everything, <laughs> everything that I went through as a child to get that, that was... And I hope everybody gets to experience that. That gave me hope, where I thought I was never going to have hope or know that I could ha even have a dream. And this woman, her name is Magli Messack, and she is an incredible human being. And I'm so, I, there are no words to say how grateful I am that she was on that cover. It wasn't that she was doing something like a grand jeté or anything. She yeah. was doing a simple, beautiful movement, and she looked so beautiful and so content and happy. And that's what I wanted. One of the things that I took away is that I think there are so many moments like that. There are moments that appear in life that are so simple, that trigger something incredibly deep within us. And so frequently we let them go, I think. We don't always realize that we should 
take note of something that stirs us, something because of its simplicity in a way. And I so admire and, and am sort of stunned by the fact that you did. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. One of the things that I did want to ask you about was when you, when you do accomplish that dream, you have the talent, you have the incredible hard work, you had all of that happen for you. You have accomplished one of the things that you dreamed of being. What has that now opened up for you? Often when we accomplish something, it has, uh, it has sort of entered a new frontier, a new area of dreaming for us. Like it opens up a whole new world of that. And I'm wondering what your dreams are now, what your aspirations are, are now. Um, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think because I get the opportunity to do what I love every single day, I want to be able to give that opportunity to other people. Um, that's why I'm, I'm an ambassador with War Child Holland. And in 2019, I had my own gala. And we're able to raise over half a million to help refugees around the world. And I just want to be able, like, I love teaching. I love just trying to find different ways to give back. Either it's trying to change the way ballet can be so negative and it can break a lot of young dancers' dreams. Just trying to change the norm. Um, and if I have that opportunity, if either it's with one person or 100 people, then I'm going to try to take that opportunity because I have the opportunity given to me as well. What are the ways that ballet has been negative that you want to be able to, to change for people? Um, I think the thing is, it's something that dancers are so passionate about that sometimes people take advantage of that. We'll put ourselves aside, we'll become people pleasers, and not even realize that we'll lose our identity on the way to becoming as successful as we want to be. And if you're fortunate enough and you realize that earlier in your career, you're able to change that and you're able to put yourself, yourself first, also mentally and physically. Because if you're not mentally doing well, you can't physically also perform at your best. And I feel that now it is changing. We are having those conversations. But I think I've seen so many incredible friends who have quit ballet because it was just too much for them mentally. Well, let me see if there are people who would like to ask you some questions, Michaela. And uh, I don't bite. <laughs> I had the good fortune to see first position and realize that you went from the competition into ABT2, if I remember correctly. Could you tell us what happened after you were with ABT2 and how you got to Het National? I actually was fortunate enough, I got a scholarship to uh, JKO, which is a school. And I was there for two years, and then I auditioned for Dance Theatre of Harlem when I was 17. And I was with Dance Theatre of Harlem for a year. And during that year, I got the opportunity to go and perform in The Hague, Den Haag. Um, and I got to take class with Dutch National Ballet. And what I noticed there was one, there wasn't any, there wasn't a black female dancer. Two, I noticed the different body types, tall, short, more muscular, and I thought, okay, this is interesting. I wanna be in a place like this, where there's more diversity. Um, and I was there for about eight years, um, and I had experience, had some great experiences and some negative experiences, and that's everywhere. But it really helped my career, and helped me figure out exactly what kind of dancer I wanna be. Um, and yeah. And uh, now I'm at Boston Ballet, so I'm back in the U.S. Yeah. 
I just uh, joined Boston Ballet about a month and two weeks ago, so I'm really excited. Hi, um, my question is, what was your mental and or physical process during the preparation of performing at the North American Grand Prix, and how has that affected your overall lifestyle right now? I realized that you can't please everybody. Uh, with the competition, I was just trying to win as in any way possible, overtraining, realizing that the competition wasn't my whole life. I don't know if anybody has seen first position except this um, woman over there, but you see that I'm fighting through an, an injury that I shouldn't have fought through. I should have had people saying, this is just one performance, get your rest and try to work on trying to get better. And th through YGP, I got incredible opportunities to meet incredible dancers and incredible coaches and things like that. But I wish mentally somebody would have helped me with that aspect of the competition. Do you like what type of action you got when you were performing? Do you understand what kind of reactions you got when you're performing? Uh, sometimes you, I, sometimes I can understand, um, and sometimes it's just you're kind of in the moment. Hello. Favorite dance. Uh, my favorite dance. It depends. Sometimes I really enjoy working with choreographers who are doing contemporary work, but my favorite. My two favorite would be uh, Keytree and Don Q and Aurora and Sleeping Beauty. Two different people. <laughs> Hi, okay, my question is, I know how you just talked about being whether in front of a green screen and how that's like totally different between like being in front of sets. And I wanted to know like, I know you talked about the emotions, but how did you actually train yourself to be like, okay, I'm in front of a, like a blank screen, I gotta like fill these type of ways? Like, did you practice in front of a mirror? Did you have a coach for that? I did not, no. Um, I just find people's expressions very interesting in general. Even just walking on the street, I'll notice somebody does something with their hand and I try to mimic it, just to try to understand human beings in general, to know why they do a certain movement or why they walk a certain way. and. I just tried to apply that with what I knew about Swan's history and to use that on the screen. Hello. Um, do you remember as a student um, at the JKO if you thought about or imagined your future as a professional dancer? And do you have any advice for students seeking professional careers? Um, I always wanted to perform in a big company, but um, yeah, I had no idea I was going to end up here. I'm very happy with how it went. Um, but Advice, for, the advice I would give is listen to your gut. Um, find a mentor who is really gonna guide you to the right place and even if somebody tells you, well, you know, you look better doing contemporary work, I was told I should go to Alvin Ailey. Uh, but that was, that, those are for different reasons. And I found a mentor who said, you know what, I feel like this fit, let's fix this, let's work on this. And I got that support and that's what helped me go into the classical companies I've always wanted to go into. So try to listen to your gut and find the right support system. Hi. Um, Hi. I am also very inspired by the fact that you, along with plenty of other artists, it tends to be that people use their platform as a way of giving back and um, having philanthropic um, projects. And I would be curious to know a little bit about how your projects with giving back to your community breathe life into your career. If, hmm, if I didn't get, give back for me, I don't know if I'd be able to wake up in the morning. I would feel like the reason 
why I'm doing what I'm doing has no purpose because I've been given an, another opportunity by getting adopted, by being able to do what I love every single day, and I feel like everybody deserves that chance. Yeah. Some of what I'm also curious about is, besides like helping you get up, I think sometimes people, you probably have said this earlier, but it, they almost feel like it really helps drive what they do, or you know, they feel like it's almost an outlet for the things that they may experience while working um, and just kind of curious about what that process has been like for you. Um, it definitely does help me, um, especially when I feel, I'm very hard on myself, so sometimes I think, wow, you suck, <laughs> why do you keep dancing? But then you will, I will get certain responses from people and that really inspires me. And when I get that, then I wanna also bring it out into the world so other people who are struggling with their self-esteem at the moment, that they also get that opportunity. I hope I answered it right that time. <laughs> Michaela, I remember watching a video of you and you were watching young dancers and you had this look on your face as you were watching these children dance. And I was wondering what you saw, what you felt while you were watching them. Um, which video? I don't, I, it was one of several, but it was a school. There were a lot of young black girl dancers and you were watching them dance. And you had this expression where it al I almost wondered like, does she see herself? Like, is there something? I mean, like, I always remember, like, when you're young, that pure, that pure love for it. Yes. And the fact that nothing has tainted it or it made you question, oh, if this is for me. But in general, just watching young children try to figure out what they want, if, if this is for them, or... But the biggest thing is just seeing that passion, and yes. it kind of helps you because you're reminded of why you love what you do. And that's also very beautiful to watch. Um, <laughs> I was um, remembering that you had just said that you've seen other dancers that are incredible leave the ballet world. I am wondering if you've had that as well, that process of wanting to leave the ballet world, and if you have thought of maybe even going into other industries, especially because, you know, we all seen you on Beyonce's video, music videos. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but just like going into different worlds, but it seems like you're sticking to it, going to Boston Ballet. Um, I'm sticking with going to Boston Ballet just because I want to continue with this art form. It might not work out in the next few years, but I'm, I like to plan ahead. Um, and I already know like if it doesn't work for me, I definitely want to be able to help in some way. So I definitely, for me, I know I want to study human rights or be a humanitarian or continue to help people in any way that I possibly can, because that is what fulfills me. Um, but if any dancers feel like they can't stay in the dance world anymore, there is something else out there. You just need to find people who are going to help you with that. And I know that's such a struggle because we've been dancing since we could breathe. So all of a sudden, it's something that is not in the norm. You're trying to figure yourself out. Your identity has changed. So it just depends on who you surround yourself with to help you with it. Yeah. Who adopted you? Oh. <laughs> I was adopted by a family in the U.S., in New Jersey, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, uh, by Elaine de Prince and Charles de Prince. And now you're back stateside. You, as you just said, you have joined Boston. You've only been here about a month and two or weeks, so, yeah. month and two weeks. <laughs> so how has that transition been? And what are you focused on right now in terms of, you've been going through so much transition. So how are you sort of 
taking that all in and then what are you focused on? Uh, right now I'm trying to make my apartment into like a jungle because <laughs> I feel like plants really help me feel like safe and um, uh, feel yeah. like I'm at home. Um, but mostly I'm really just trying to focus on becoming as strong as possible. Um, I do enjoy doing events and things like that, but sometimes I don't have the opportunity to really focus on just becoming a better artist. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to focus on. So this is pretty much, I think, my last event till the end of the year because I really just want to be able to do Nutcracker and just succeed and really just have that drive to focus on ballet. Wow, Michaela. Well, I am so glad. We are so glad that you came here and did this event. It's really been an honor to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you all for listening to season one of Dancing Through the Lens. If you enjoy what you are hearing, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and review. We would love to hear your thoughts on the show so far and any suggestions you have for the future. We look forward to sharing season two with you in the spring of 2022. Through the Lens is a production of the San Francisco Dance Film Festival. It is produced and hosted by Coral Martin and Claire Schweitzer. Theme music for Dancing Through the Lens was composed by Daria Novo. You can find the San Francisco Dance Film Festival online at sfdancefilmfest.org and in the social media pages linked in the show notes. Mm-hmm.